how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. At a very early age, Wayne Roberts knew he wanted to be involved with filmmaking. Inspired by directors like Tim Burton and Stanley Kubrick, he loved the idea of creating new worlds. But outside of film, he was also inspired by Ernest Hemingway and very other classic authors of literature. Roberts is relatively new to the scene, but his first two films have made a big impact. In Katie Says Goodbye, Olivia Cook, Christopher Abbott, Muriel Enos, and Mary Steinbergen star in a film about a 17-year-old waitress prostitute who wants a better life. In his latest film, The Professor, Johnny Depp takes the lead opposite Rosemary DeWitt in a comedy drama about a college professor who takes a reckless turn in his life once he discovers he's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. In this exclusive interview, the writer-director talks about doing right by the characters, how a flash can turn into a full feature, the logistics of, the, of his creative process, the necessity of a powerful screenplay, why films should focus on emotion above all else, and why it's vital to avoid the trends of cinema. I don't know really what to say exactly in a sort of clean and elegant way. I mean, it just it came natural and it came quite young. The I mean, everything sort of formulated and clicked um, when I was nine. Um, and I was just, I was interested in the arts before then, of course. I know that that's really quite young, but it clicked when I was nine. I just realized that that was uh, what I wanted to do exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just incorporated everything that I liked. It incorporated um, writing and incorporated, um, the, I mean, photography and acting performance and things like that. So just it was sort of uh, a thing that came natural where the interest was natural. What were some of those like inspirations or films and television that inspired you? You know, it's, uh, I have to say it was the work initially, um, and again, this is when I was quite young, but Tim Burton, Tim Burton's early work, I really, really loved, um, like his two Batmans and uh, Edward Scissorhands and, and films like that. I mean, I was just sort of completely lost in, in the worlds that he was creating with, with each of his films. Um, so that was when I first sort of gravitated to a particular filmmaker, and it was Tim Burton uh, was the first person, and then... Of course, once I started studying film more after that, I found other directors whose work um, that I really appreciated and just sort of would do all that I could to to watch their works. So a lot of people, my, myself included, we kind of emulate uh, others to find our own voice. Um, were there people that you were emulating in, in first when you were writing, and how did you kind of get out of that to find your own method of storytelling? No, you know, oddly, I... I, it sounds arrogant, but I don't think I had a problem with that in terms of trying to copy somebody in terms of the the writing itself. I mean, I guess in a way that you, you can't say that I 
I would take from other writers in terms of their approach, but that was mostly not done for an artistic sense. I mean, that was actually done for um, just the practicalities of a script and trying to get it made. So I would emulate Hemingway in a way in terms of just removing any unnecessary word so that the agents and the managers and then ultimately the cast, when they read a script, it's not really bogging them down with a bunch of unnecessary information. You just have the essence of the story itself. Um, but in terms of being drawn to uh, a particular type of story and trying to to copy works like that, it wasn't... Um, I, I would like to think that I didn't fall into that trap. I mean, that said, it's probably difficult for one to actually comment on that themselves. It's probably something for the critics to uh, and the viewers to have a better understanding than the creator themselves. Um, but I felt like the the works, the stories that I was always interested in were... Uh, just things that naturally sort of hit, not something that I thought that like Fellini would want to do or um, Kubrick might be interested or, or people like that. How do you kind of see the, the different areas in filmmaking? It, with Hemingway, it sounds like that's part of your editing phase in terms of writing, but how do you find the balance between writing and directing and all the other mini hats you have to wear to get a film made? You know, I actually look at writing as prep. Um, I can never imagine actually directing a film that I didn't write because it just seems like that's just the the, the first step in terms of actually directing a work. Um, and I just, I, I don't think I would have the skill sets, right? I would just, I would have, uh, I don't know. I, I just think it would be easier for my end to actually just write the work itself. So I look at writing as the actual prep. Uh, for the film itself. And then with that, I actually look at directing as the continuation of um, a responsibility that you develop for your characters and for the story that you're creating as you do write the film, as you do write the script. And so you just need to make sure that you're doing right by the characters and by the story that you've crafted in that writing process. Um, so it becomes sort of a, the way that I look at it as, as a moral duty of sorts. Um, because if you're lucky, I think you can have a relationship with your characters that sounds, um, it feels like the real thing in some way. Um, and so you try to do right by them. So where did this story come from? Where the idea for Katie says goodbye, how did that start to form? Uh, the idea for, for Katie says goodbye came, I mean, this one was a little bit different than I think most of the the idea strike for, for a film or for a story that I want to tell, but it was, a, I just had a sort of a, a flash of a, of an image of a young woman walking down, um, a highway. And I could tell that she was in the Southwest from something that she was in the, the scenario, the, the geography that she was, uh, behind her. And I could also tell that she was a waitress too, from the uniform that she's wearing as well as her name being Katie from her name tag. Um, so I had that image, and then I also had an image that complemented that, which was at the end of the film, too, where she would see that she had been through a great deal, but yet her, her spirit and her innocence was not actually destroyed by what she had gone through. Um, and so that image hit, and then the title hit that night as well, too. I mean, this was accompanied by some, some good music and was accompanied by some poor wine, but it just sort of led to to that particular story, and it was just sort of... I don't know. It, uh, it kind of hit. I mean, it hit, it hit pretty strong and I wasn't able to shake character of Katie. And in fact, the character of Katie just kept on coming back and growing all the more strong. Um, and so I eventually years after that, I, I sat down to, to actually write her story.
So you kind of, like a lot of writers will talk about kind of feeling obligated, you know, a character kind of stays with you that long. Is that kind of how you felt or saw this character? Yeah, completely. And it's, I mean, it's something that if you have tasted that, then you just, you try to chase that and you try to keep yourself open as much as you possibly can for, for that kind of strange encounter to happen again. Um, it's difficult. I mean, there's oftentimes it can go years without finding that kind of strange sort of knock or, um, introduction to a character that's like that. But, um, I don't know if you're, if you're lucky enough to actually have an instance like that, then, then you should really take care of it and foster it and do what you can while, while that connection is strong. I think if you don't do it, I mean, I think there's, we're all in the same sort of bad soup. I think if you don't take advantage of that story, somebody else's. What's kind of, how did you get this film made? I guess is the question. I mean, you're, is this your, this is, well, on IMDb, it's your first like uh, big credit as a full length feature. How did you uh, kind of approach this amazing young cast you have and, and, and get everything kind of, um, what are some advice you might have for getting a film, a first time film made? Uh, the advice I would have for getting a first a first film made is really, I mean, it, it purely starts with script, um, without a doubt. And I mean, I, I had done some work in development before then too when I was in college, and just I mean, the amount of scripts that are out there, the vast majority of them are, are terrible. So if you write a script that is good, that is well written, if you write a script that is also going to be easy for them to read and to sort of for lack of a better term, just like plow through in an hour or so or less than that, then I think you'll do well with the agents and the managers and, and the people that can actually help a film get made. Um, so you need to start off with that blueprint, which is that script. And again, I think you just make it as, as easy to read as possible and to give it some really great characters um, in which people can actually flex their muscles and ideally do something that they haven't done before. Um, and then once you do that, you'll have the, the support of the agents, and the managers, the people that will connect you with the cast. And then it's, it's really comes down to, uh, the cast that you're able to put together. I think it's very rare for a film to be put together just based off of the story itself. Unless you have a horror film that, you know, is going to make its money back for the most part. Um, but I would say really just focus so much time and energy on the script itself and try not to be poetic and lyrical about it. Just, make it very, very bare bones, just have the story itself presented. And uh, I think that's that's what I would advise for, for people that are trying to get a first film up up and running. Have your other scripts that you've written, I'm assuming kind of preparing to get something made, have they been within this realm? Like what um, kind of inspired you to focus on more of a character piece today when there's so many you know, IP movies and, and superhero movies and that kind of thing? What kind of inspired you to do something more of like, I don't know, maybe even like an 80s kind of feel to it or a different feel to it, 70s even. Well, that's just catering to my own to my own likes. I mean, frankly, I hate those those superhero films. I can't get into it. I've, I've gone, I've seen one or two, and I just sit in the back of the theater and I feel no connection to the film. I look at the people that are there in the audience and I have no idea what they're going through. I just, I can't connect to it in any way whatsoever and it feels like an absolute waste of time. Um, and it's not the films that I personally grew up off of and the films that I've, I've always been, I've always gravitated to. So it wasn't something in which I was actively going against what is the, the trend. And quite frankly, I, I don't give a damn what the trend is and I never will. 
uh, I'm just going to create the works that I would personally want to see and just hope that there's going to be other people out there that would also want to see that film. And if the audience is small, so be it. If it's larger than that, that's great. Um, but I'm not, I'm not in it for, um, I'm certainly not in it for the cash. And I, I just, I don't, I just, I wouldn't be able to take myself seriously uh, if I were to do a film like that, that people tend to, to want to see. So it wasn't, again, it's, it's just, it's me being selfish and catering to my own taste and hoping that there's people out there that um, also appreciate those types of films that are not centered around CGI and, and men and women in tights. I think these movies stand out. I think that's why you were able to gather such a great cast that a lot of people may recognize from other TV shows and that kind of thing. A lot of, so a lot of writers are just distracted by what's going on, you know, whatever was popular right now or last year, they're replicating it. Do you kind of, it sounds like you look back further, you know, you mentioned Hemingway and novels or possibly older movies. Like, where do you generally find your inspiration? Where would you advise other people to look that are, you know, chasing the next big thing? Um, well, I mean, if they're chasing the next big thing, they just need to do that. I, I don't... I, I wouldn't read the trades and things like that because, um, I mean, that's just being a copycat. That's just like cargo shorts are hot in 97 and you buy some cargo shorts. You can be embarrassed about it in 99 and certainly in 2019. So just don't do it. Um, unless that's what you want to do. If you want to be on the forefront of, of the trend, then, then go ahead and read those papers and try to see some sort of, um, I don't know, some sort of forecast that you can pick up off in terms of history repeating itself. But, I mean, where I find my inspiration, I find my inspiration um, just through, I mean, mostly with, with literature and with music. I mean, music will set uh, a tone and a mood um, and therefore an emotion that I can ride. Um, and with that emotion, then hopefully I can be open to um, receiving one of those knocks or one of those introductions to a character like Katie. Like when I was, uh, I mean, the music that I was listening to when, when Katie first struck was Broken Social Scenes, uh, Anthem for a 17-year-old. Um, and so I find that a lot of those ideas come with music. Um, and then I just really read literature and, and just try to find the, the best stories that are out there because it just makes you a better writer and it best serves you in terms of putting together stories that ideally your cast would want to play. Uh, but it is, it's really, I think, what I would say is that the, the writer themselves needs to ask themselves what kind of films they want to make. And if they want to make um, horror films or if they want to make these big Marvel-type films, and I think they just they should read those trends and just see that kind of film that's made. I wouldn't even call it film. I think that's just, just watch that product and consume as much as you possibly can. There's definitely a giant separation of, you know, the giant films and the indie films. There's not really like the middle ground, original, you know, even Jerry Bruckheimer type stuff. Um, would you say in the in the indie world, is it is it more okay now to kind of abandon some of the, you know, Sid Field mentality and focus more on character? Is that kind of how you see the way things are going in the, you know, less than two or three million dollar film world? Yeah, I mean, I think those character studies are also they're less expensive to make too, and that that middle film, um, I mean, those of a budget of, of more than five or six, and uh, to like fifty, like the films that were made in the '90s and the '80s, they're just not made anymore. I, you see those filmmakers that would like to make those types of films jumping into into television because you actually have the resources to tell those types of stories. In addition, you also have far more time to actually tell that story. 
Um, so I think it's, uh, I, I, I think what you're seeing in terms of that sort of that removal of the middle ground, I think, and the, the sort of the rise of the character study that are these sort of smaller, quieter films, I think a lot of that has to do just simply with what the market is willing to finance. Um, but I would, I hope that there are people out there that miss those types of films that were made like 20 years ago. I know that I certainly do. They're, they're still, I feel like they're being made out in Europe, but they're not being made out here in the States because we just don't have uh, the back and forth. It's just the the film industry is truly an industry. It's a, it's a money-making industry. And so much of it is just based off of commerce, off of making money. How do you kind of decide, like when you're thinking about Katie over the last several years before you wrote this, um, did you always see it as a film? Have you been attracted to write television or to, you know, even to think of it as like a an eight-hour story versus a two-hour story? Well, you know, I actually I wanted to write this as a novel at first um, because I didn't think that I would uh, really like directing as much as I end up enjoying it and loving it. And I have to say that the the process and the experience of directing a film uh, like Katie actually goes above and beyond the the joy that one can have privately when they're writing a work itself. But I had intended on writing Katie Says Goodbye as a novel at first so that I could establish myself as a writer. Um, and then just sort of be able to jump between the two, between uh, writing works of fiction that were meant for books and then also just jumping into film um, when I felt that call. And so it, w- it was never the actual intent to write it as a, uh, just as a, as a film at first. It was actually to write it as a novel and then to later on take that story and to make it into a film. What, what kind of happened to make that change? Was it connections you had in the industry or I heard of that? What, what made that big jump? Yeah, it was it was ultimately connections that I had in the industry. So a good friend of mine, Sean Dirk and Antonio Campos, um, they had had requested, they had wanted me to write the the script first as I was in the process of writing the novel. And so I just I went ahead and I put a pause to to the novel um, of Katie's story and just went ahead and wrote the script. And then things uh, really came together quite fast after that. And so I never picked it up. I mean, once the film was was in motion, there was I can't write a book about the same story and have it released after the fact. It just it just doesn't work. So I guess my introduction into uh, into writing was ultimately through film at first, and I figure that um, later on in life I'll probably get into to literature as well. Did you learn anything from that experience you might carry with you? Like uh, obviously, pacing is very different between novels and books, but did you? think of the character differently or just, or did that, you know, just writing about it in long format, more freestyle like that help you kind of better define the story or anything? Um, no, I have to say it was actually quite the opposite. Um, because I mean, you have, it's like doing a series as well. You have so much more time to, uh, explore certain things and, and spend time and seeing whereas in film, I don't think it actually serves, uh, the pacing, um, and the girl walk the overall experience of um, of the movie going experience. So, I mean, it's, it's much leaner in a film than it would be within a novel. So um, I guess in some ways you could say that writing it as a novel would be sort of the detriment to the story itself. Because I wouldn't start anything unless I had a clear understanding of who the character was. Um, so I felt like a lot of that work had already been done uh, before before I actually put down the first word. Do you see film as kind of, or film or television as the most kind of advanced form of storytelling, or do you see like 
every story is different and, and some stories are better as novels and that kind of thing. No, I would have to say I do see it as the, well, it's either the most advanced or the one that has the greatest theft. Um, I mean, you can think of film as being the most advanced in the fact that you have music, you have, you have photography, you have performance, um, you have writing, you have everything of all the arts combined into one. Um, and so it could be the most advanced, but, um, I don't know. I, I believe it was Bergman that said that every art form was trying to recreate music. And I think music is just simply based off of emotions, some sort of indescribable emotion. I think if you, if you make a film and if you do it right, and if that's what the intent is as well too, to actually have the human experience. And I think it is just sort of, it's like a replication of music. But again, there's a lot of people that are not trying to make films that are based off of emotion. They're trying to make things that are based off of entertainment, which is why you have these films, like these uh, these CGI films that everybody seems to be drawn to. And I think it's probably because people now are just terrified of feeling something genuine. They just want to be entertained as the world crumbles around them. Just got um, one more for you. Is there anything that we missed you want to say about the film or any advice you wish you had before um, you started the actual filmmaking process? It's a very good question. No, I mean, there's nothing that I, I, I want to say about the film itself. I think the film, um, I would like to think that the film itself does its talking for itself. Um, but in terms of some, some advice that I wish I had um, before I jumped into it. Um, yeah, actually, I do have something. If somebody tells you to trust them, Beware, I would say. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people in this industry that are in it for the wrong reasons. So I think it serves you to have your guard up as much as you possibly can. Um, and I think it's also I think it's very wise to make sure that people have a clear understanding of what the film is that you want to tell. Um, and if you can, you can put in certain scenes within within your script that will help you sort of weed out those that do or do not understand the story itself. Um, and so that's something that I did with Katie. Um, but I think it's more to do with every project, but the, the thing in terms of people saying that you should trust them, I would also just be, be aware of that, uh, and do not be afraid of walking away. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating, providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live. 